Hey guys, welcome to my channel. My name is Tom and we are going to be talking about Enneagram Type 5 and we're going to be looking at the mental health of Type 5 or some of the pitfalls you might say that uh, fives might find themselves in. And uh, this comes from an Instagram post from a good friend of mine, Tyler Zock, who is at the Gospel for Enneagram. Uh, this is, um, I'll put a link in the description below to his Instagram post. Make sure that you like and follow him. And um, I asked him, I reached out to him, I said, hey, this series is really good. Do you mind if I make some YouTube videos on it? And he's like, go for it. So here we are. Uh, just as a reminder, in the description below is a link to my website, tomlehue.com, where I do offer Enneagram and relationship coaching. You know, the Enneagram is really helpful to help us uh, get over the, um, uh, over the target uh, a little faster sometimes, especially in relationships, because, um, you know, um, when you think about a five, for example, married or in a relationship with a two, um, you can start to think about, well, what would that relationship look like? And what kind of problems might they have? Or a five with an eight or a five with a four. And so uh, I do a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching with people to help you know, figure out what is your Enneagram type and what does that mean and why is that useful information? And then sometimes helping couples get along with each other. Uh, so reach out to me if I can help you in any way. Also, I have a lot of different courses uh, on uh, my website. Um, some are on demand and those are always on sale. Um, and then I do live courses on Zoom and I'd love for you to consider joining me in one of these courses. Um, and all right, so let's, let's start into this. Now, I'm going to start by saying that I have a son who's 17 years old and he is a five wing four. And so I live with a five and my dad, who's passed away now, was a five wing six. And so I, I can't claim to fully understand what another type is like, but I know what it's like to live with fives. Okay. That being said, um, I thought it was interesting because I'm going to go through this list that I'm just looking right at the Instagram post. So if you see me looking away, that's what I'm doing. I'm reading this Instagram post. And, um, you know, I thought it was interesting when I asked my son, hey, come here for a second. Take a look at this five uh, mental health Instagram post. And I read them to him one by one. And uh, I thought it was interesting that, you know, as I went through these, basically on probably, you know, seven out of 10 of them, he said, no, that's not me. No, I don't feel like that. No, I don't agree with that. Yet, as I'm reading them, I'm thinking, from an outsider's perspective, these sound pretty accurate. So even though he's not connecting that this is how he acts or how he interacts, I think people that observe fives would probably agree with most of these. Now, I'm just kind of like forewarning you that I think part of fiveness is you have this debating kind of mind. You have this mind that is, give me your information, especially a five wing four like my son, the iconoclast, which I always say is, you know, basically you're saying, tell me what your assumptions are, tell me what your foundational beliefs are, and I'll tell you where you went wrong. An iconoclast takes your icons and then kind of undermines them and shows you that they're maybe built on false assumptions. The five wing six is called the problem solver. So they tend to be a little more technical, a little more mechanical, a little more science and math and engineering where five wing fours tend to be more theology, philosophy, mysticism, that kind of thing. 
Not always the case, but you know, just in general. So I just kind of forewarning you, look, I don't mean any offense, uh, and I don't think I would offend you. I think I would probably say things that you would say, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that I, you know, uh, believe that. And first of all, let me just say, this isn't my list. I didn't come up with it. I'm just kind of the messenger, and I'm just using this platform to communicate. I know, shut up, Tom, and just tell us the list. All right, seven things. Okay, uh, and if you don't know, I'm a type seven. So, all right, let's look at this list, and I think there's like eight or nine of these, and let's just go through them one by one and <clears throat> see what you think, okay? Uh, number one is I am a, well, that's, not, that's number two. I am a burden is number two, and we'll get back to that. Okay, here's the number one. Life is meaningless. Life is meaningless. What a great way to start our day. Let's start our day with a little bit of nihilism. Life is meaningless. Fatalism. Doesn't matter what you do. You know, I went around the dial and I created doing statements for every type. And it's kind of like when you have a conversation with this person, you can kind of walk away and if you said, hey, what was that conversation with that type one about? And you know, if you boil it down to a doing statement with type ones, I say, ones would say, you know, something should have been done about this a long time ago. And you can hear that kind of judgmental, you know, twos, it's, uh, what can I do for you? Or sort of the negative would be, after all I've done for you, this is the thanks I get. And then with threes, it's like, hey, look at what I just did, or look at what I'm doing, watch me, look at what I'm doing, look at what I did, look at what I accomplished. With fours, uh, I would say it's, it's the speaking style of a four is lamenting, and so basically you could summarize what was that conversation about with the statement, look at what they've done to me. Um, and they might focus a little much on how they were mistreated and they're looking often for validation. And then with fives, the doing statement that I came up with was uh, doing something isn't going to make a difference. Now, it's not that fives don't believe in doing stuff or getting things done. It's just think about, for example, like when you see uh, when it comes up, to, you know, time for re-elections, all right, all these campaigns and signs are out everywhere, and people are on the streets, you know, holding their signs saying, vote for my guy, and you're stupid if you don't vote for my guy. Just ask yourself, like, do you think that changes anybody's opinion? Do you think somebody's driving along and they see that group of, that mob of angry protesters holding up a sign and they think, oh yeah, you know, I wasn't convinced, but now that I see you guys yelling at me and telling me that my candidate's stupid, well, now, yeah, now I, so just ask yourself, like, does doing that, you know, accomplish anything? Yeah, it makes those people feel better. It makes them feel like they're doing something. It makes them feel like they're making a difference, but does it really change anybody's mind? And think fives, you guys are those people that, you know, you walk up to a university campus and there's that guy standing there, you know, with the sign up that says, you know, hot dogs are not sandwiches, change my mind. I mean, that's that's your groove. Those That's your people, you know, t change my mind. Um, your arguments aren't going to change my mind. And I, I don't think that, you know, that's always true. I just think that's kind of this idea here that life is meaningless. Like everything's determined. It doesn't matter what you do. By the way, sixes, I would say, what do you think we should do? Um, you know, sevens, what are we doing today? Eights, uh, don't tell me what to do. Something needs to be done about this. Don't tell me what to do. And then nines up there at the top with, just tell me what you want me to do. 
Um, and it's kind of interesting. Just go around that dial and just think about the people you know and see if that, you know, relates to life. Okay, so life is meaningless at my worst. This is the quote, okay? At my worst, I can experience psychotic breaks with reality or conclude that life is meaningless. Um, <clears throat> you know, okay, let's just leave it at that, all right? Life is meaningless. I don't agree with that and, um, you know, just ask yourself, do you, do you ever kind of think this way? Um, it's not necessarily, you know, that you're wrong in thinking this way because at times it might feel a little bit like life or your decisions or your choices aren't going to really make much difference. I mean, I think we all at times can struggle with this, but just, you know, I mean, ask yourself this question, like, if I'm broadcasting this kind of energy around me, um, can you see that sometimes maybe people might be a little bit like frustrated around you? Like, oh my goodness, you're such a gloom and doom or you might, you might come across as pessimistic uh, where, you know, people want to be optimistic. They want to be positive. They, I'm showing my seven bias here, I'm sure. But I mean, most of us, I shouldn't say most of us because you're probably, okay, let's just leave it at that. Let's move on to the next one. Life is meaningless. Number two, I'm a burden. I'm a burden. Uh, I may hold the belief that I am a burden and that my voice will cause inconvenience to others and that my needs will disrupt others. Now, I think this is a little bit of projection, right? Uh, because remember, your sin is greed or stinginess. And I'm sure that the average five doesn't want to be bothered by other people. You don't want to be engulfed by other people and their agendas and their needs. You don't want to be obligated to other people and have people taxing you exhausting your resources, exhausting your time, your attention, the focus of your attention. And so I imagine that you might project that out into the world like, well, I don't want to do that to other people. I'm not going to want to bother them. I'm not going to want to disrupt them. And so if I have something I need, which there might be a little bit of shame attached to that because as a nine or as a five, um, you know, I think it might be like, you really don't want to have any needs. Like I want to be, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be an island unto myself and I don't want to be a burden to other people. I don't want other people burdening me. So, um, realize though that, you know, like we all have needs, like we're all humans. We all have needs and these needs often get us to interact with other people that we might not otherwise and show us our need for other people. And you really desperately want to be a part of the community. I get it. But sometimes you might struggle with this issue of like how much is okay for me to express to other people and how much is okay for me to depend on other people and how much is it okay for other people to depend on me. I don't want other people to burden me, so I'm not going to burden other people. You know, my, my wife is a two and my son is a five. And so... You know, I would get to laughing because we would walk into church, for example, and she would say, no, you need to be nice to people today. She's a two-wing one, so it's like nice with a little bit of preachy, you know. You need to be nice to people today. You need to speak to at least three people. You need to say hello. Because his tendency would just be to walk in and walk past people, and she'll say to him, you know, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And he's saying, I am, I am treating them the way I want to be treated. I'm leaving them alone. 
but from a twos worldview, like this is not acceptable. So realize like we all have these clashes and of course she's the parent, so she kind of gets to win that argument, but we all have these kinds of clashes when we get two worldviews and there's nine different perspectives, nine different worldviews, we get together and my right isn't the same as your right or my <coughs> good my the way the world should work isn't the same as another person's the way the world should work. And this ends up causing miscommunication. It ends up causing conflict. It ends up causing misunderstandings. Okay. <clears throat> and you know, this is where like marriage coaching can be really helpful um, when you are aware of these Enneagram types. I mean, you can sometimes skip a lot of wasted time. It's not really wasted, but a lot of extra time on getting to know the couple, as soon as they say, well, I'm an eight and she's a five, okay. That doesn't tell me everything, but it tells me a lot, okay? So I'm a burden. Number next, I think it's number three, excessive isolation. Excessive isolation. You know, there's that meme floating around on uh, social media of like this cabin on the middle of an island, you know, and people will post like, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to go. Uh, I cope with sadness, loss, grief, and other troubling emotions by intellectualizing my feelings or by engaging in excessive isolation. And, you know, it's helpful to remember you are a withdrawn type. Nine, five, and four are the three withdrawn types. And so you may find it necessary to get away, to come back to yourself, to um, to sort of like pull the bridge up and shut people out for a while, figure out what you want, figure out how you feel about things. And I, I think that's interesting, you know, that I cope with all of these emotions by intellectualizing them. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a five and there was all kinds of chaos going on in, in the church where I was serving. And uh, I asked him about it and I said, how do you feel about this situation? And I just remember him stepping back and saying, are you asking me what I think about this? And that's how he had to frame it. He couldn't just jump to, how do I feel about it? I feel sad. I feel upset. I feel frustrated. I feel... And his immediate response was, um, are you asking me what I think about this? Well, I think I feel. And then he started to talk about it, what he thought about it. Um, so excessive isolation. Um, you know, I always say that fives are kind of the hermit that lives on the edge of the village. You've got that six wing that says, be a part of the community. I mean, sixes really are the community and you're right next to that as a five, which you would tend to be maybe like the, the, the hermit on the edge of the village, you know, going through your book of spells to learn how to slay dragons. And that's cool. I mean, we can all accept that. We can all live with that and appreciate that. It's just, you know, um, we just might check on you every once in a while. And I think that's important that we check on you, say, how you doing? What's going on? You know, what are you thinking about? I often find though with fives, it's like when you are checking on them or pressing in, sometimes fives become resistant and they don't want to talk. Um, but if you just act normal around them and let them talk about what they're interested in. Maybe we should start with a good question. Maybe you could put this in the comments, like what question should we start with? Maybe if we just ask a simple question, I like for a seven, I love the question. So what are you into right now? What am I into right now? Well, let me, you know, I'm an enthusiast. Let me tell you about this thing I'm studying. Let me tell you about this uh, product that I ordered. Let me tell you about. 
So what is the right question to kind of pull you or draw you out of that isolation? And you're probably saying, why do you need to draw us out of isolation? Why can't you leave us alone? Well, Okay, I'm arguing with myself here. I'm trying to get into that five space and debate myself, um, and it's not going so well. But I would say, um, you know, we love you, and we want to have a relationship with you, and we want to give you your space, and we want uh, to let you, you know, have your downtime away from everybody. Uh, but we also want you to be included. We want you to feel included, and we want you to... Uh, be able to engage at whatever level is comfortable for you and all right, let's just move on. Okay, so excessive isolation and then number four Conspiracy theories. I Think of sixes when I think about going down the rabbit hole, you know on something the moon landing for example uh, 9-11 um, I mean there's all kinds of you know conspiracies out there um, dinosaurs are fake you know they they hid the bones in the ground uh, UFOs Bigfoot um, I love Bigfoot though um, I think one day we're gonna find him but conspiracy theories I may be vulnerable to conspiracy theories and phobias if I go down the wrong rabbit hole without verifying the information I'm reading so um, that's interesting. I think of sixes, you know, as being the tin foil hats, um, you know, uh, with the bunker underground. I think of fives as having the laboratory or the secret layer, you know, Dr. Evil petting his cat. I think of that as fives, um, you know, the, the secret cave. Um, and I think of sixes as having the bunker, you know, prepared and with the food supplies and all that. But uh, I'd be interested, you know, is that something that you think is true for you as fives, maybe five wing sixes? Um, conspiracy theories. Do you sometimes find yourself having to backtrack out of some conspiracy theory that you've, you've maybe gone too far down the rabbit hole? Okay, so let me review what have we got so far. Let's go back and let's, uh, let's okay. The mental health of type five, life is meaningless. Great way to start the day. Uh, I'm a burden, uh, excessive isolation, conspiracy theories, and then obsessive compulsive behavior. Uh, I can develop obsessive tendencies. I might excessively research, analyze, or accumulate information to feel prepared and secure. This behavior can become compulsive and interfere with my daily functioning. And of course, the per first person that comes to my mind is Sheldon on um, Big Bang Theory, who could be probably described as a little bit obsessive and compulsive. You know, if you get an idea in your head uh, or you get a, um, uh, um, and I don't just mean like an idea, like I need to go to the store to get batteries. Okay, there's an idea that you could get obsessive about. Um, when are we going? What time are we leaving? How long is it going to be? More or less than an hour. You know, and it could be obsessive about I need to go to the store, I need to get batteries because my my remote to my uh, PlayStation isn't working right and I need, okay, so when are we doing it? So you could become obsessive like that, but even, you know, you could become obsessive in bigger ways like with an idea, like let's say meditation or Zen Buddhism or, uh, you know, some aspect of Christian theology or, you know, anything. Um, is that something that you find yourself having a tendency to do? To become like so over-focused or so hyper-focused that you're not able to 
you're not able to think about, let's say, daily tasks. Like you're not able to focus on making dinner or, oh, the dog needs food and water or, you know, uh, I got to take the kids to their appointment because you're so hyper-focused on what it is you're focused on, this big idea or this big concept that maybe you're obsessing on that and neglecting some of the other things in your life. I always think like the absent-minded professor, that's a good five, you know, kind of image of being so focused on your work, you know, you're splitting atoms in a laboratory that um, your, your teapot is boiling over on the stove, you know, that kind of idea. Okay, next is the unknown. The unknown. The unknown aspects of situations can be extremely distressing for me. If there are unanswered questions and I can't find the necessary information, it can drive me to a state of madness and frustration. Now, let me tell you about when my son went to camp this year. Um, you know, it's a Christian camp and he's a senior coming up this year. So he's 17 and he's a smart kid and he's studied a lot. And he watches a lot of videos and a lot of information on apologetics and defending the faith and all that kind of stuff. And he went to camp and of course these you know, these adults are teaching lessons and they're just well-meaning people. You know, they're just good guys, good ladies that are just trying to, they love kids. They're giving, they're volunteering their time all week to just teach some basic lessons about, you know, how to love the Lord and be a good kid and all this, you know, and stay out of trouble. And, and, you know, I noticed like my son wanting to debate them, wanting to ask them, you know, these difficult questions and challenge them and, and ask them deep theological rich questions. And he was getting so frustrated because their responses were, were inadequate and, and he's right. They were, their responses were things like, well, you know, son, you know, we just can't always know everything. And we just, we just need to believe anyway. We need to just accept and we need to just have faith and we need to just, and this was really bothersome to Harrison. It was really bothersome to him to get these kind of like, you know, um, um, soft answers. And he pulled me aside and was just so frustrated. Like, yeah, I remember one person saying, you know, there aren't answers to every question and we just need to accept that. And of course his response was, there are answers to every question. You might not know them, but certainly somewhere there is an answer to every question. Um, just because you don't know them, it, that is not an answer. And he's right. I, I, I said, well, son, I think the real problem here is you're ready for a seminary classroom. You're ready to, to like think in, you know, these deeper ways with, you know, you're ready for the PhDs. You're ready for the people that have studied. You're ready to be around other fives, you know, that have thought through these deep things and have developed their belief structure. And, and you're not probably going to be satisfied with loving moms and dads who are just trying to teach the basics. Um, and I, I, I imagine let's, let's just, let's just ask you, how do you feel when you are being taught by somebody that you don't believe has an accurate or or um, complete grasp of the information they're teaching. I imagine that you feel pretty bad about that. Like, I don't like this. Like, why should I listen to this person? And it gets back to this root that uh, I think on the Enneagram, you know, it teaches us that fives, ones, and threes are all in a group together called the competency group. 
and you know it's it's expressed a little different for each type with ones it's like i'm competent i'm a hard worker i'm dependable i step up to the plate i'm responsible i'm not lazy and with threes i'm an achiever i'm successful i can accomplish things i can i can set goals and achieve them i'm a competent person and with fives it's more like the information you know the instruction a grasp on the information and also just i'm self-sufficient and so when you're around people that are up on the platform teaching information who are not competent or you know you're more competent than they are i'll give you another example uh we live in daytona beach and you know we have uh, uh every once in a while we'll go down to orlando and we're walking through universal studios and you know we're in this harry potter world there and it's awesome i mean anybody would say this is amazing this is awesome if you've seen the movies it's fantastic right but Harrison will walk through all of this and he'll he'll just think to himself, I know more about this subject than any of these people working here. And the same thing with Star Wars. And he does. I mean, the kid has listened to the entire Harry Potter series more than 50 times. He's listened to it. You know, he'll put it on he'll put it on speed four and go for a walk and he'll just listen to the entire Harry Potter series. Now that is a little bit, you know, of like this super five brain power being kind of used in a way that is not the most productive. You know, kind of the joke is that fives, you know, they use their powers to learn Klingon. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a seven, go for it, you know, I'm okay with it. It's just, um, you have this mind that could grasp the deep and heavy weighty things of the world Let's not just use them for Harry Potter and Star Wars and that kind of stuff. Let's let's use them for, you know, for other things as well. So the unknown. Um, and again, I, I've noticed with Harrison, you know, being very frustrated if he doesn't have the plan in front of him. Now, sometimes we don't give him the plan because he wants to debate the plan. And he is probably an INTP on the... Uh, on the uh, Myers-Briggs, which is, I think, like the scientist, but the ENTP is the debater. So he's got a lot of that debating aspect to him. But just that whole, you know, what are we doing today? And then we say, oh, well, we're gonna go to this place and we're gonna do this thing, and why do I have to do that? How long, how much longer, how long are we gonna be there? Uh, how long are we gonna stay? When are we leaving? Uh, who's driving? Who's going with us? And it's like, oh my goodness, that's a lot. That's a lot, you know, and maybe he's trying to prepare for how much is this going to exhaust my resources, but just that unknown of situations, like he doesn't like surprises like that. Okay, next is social pressure. And I'll see him, this very thing, social pressure, I'll see him, you know, like um, um, having to sort of psych himself up, you know, sometimes for being around people. Um, the social pressure to engage with groups can be challenging. I often feel the need to withdraw and protect myself. I may have a diagnosed or undiagnosed social anxiety disorder. Um, okay, so how do you feel with groups? Uh, are you outgoing? Can you do it for a while? Do you find that you can do that for a while? Like you can be in a group, laugh, talk, engage, and then you kind of hit your limit and then you gotta withdraw, like you just go back to your phone or you go back or maybe even leave the room. Or uh, how do you feel when the event is over? Do you feel depleted or do you feel energized? Interesting. Do you have to psych yourself up 
to be around people. Like you have to have some some knowledge ahead of time that on Sunday morning we go here and on Saturday night we go there and and sort of like have to have that on your calendar so that you can build up your mental uh, faculties and energy for this uh, for this exchange with other people. Social pressure. Are you able to do it for a while and then you got to get away from it? Because that's that's kind of how I think fives are. I'd be interested in 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 how you would express that. Okay, we got two more. Fear of inadequacy. Fear of inadequacy. The fear of inadequacy or incompetence can hinder me from taking risks. And we already talked about this. You know that competency thing. And realize that at your best, you look like an eight. In other words, you step up to the plate, you take your information and you apply it in a way that is meaningful, impacts others and changes lives. And that could, that could be difficult for a five if they're afraid that, you know, I don't have all the information or I don't have all the facts or what if people laugh at me or what if people, you know, don't accept my challenge? Uh, what if they don't hear me? Um, and this fear of inadequacy could keep you from stepping forward. I remember coaching a guy one time who was a five and he was a little bit older than me and he had, he had walls filled with books and courses on how to start businesses. I mean, he had everything you could ever imagine. He had all kinds of courses that he had bought over the years on how to do network marketing, how to do social media marketing, on all kinds of topics related to starting businesses. And he's been at this for over 20 years and he has three businesses online that he has kind of started, but none of them are operating. None of them are operating. None of them are actually, you know, doing any business. And he's kind of like a five stuck in that seven. I need more information. I need another class. I need more instruction. I need more resources. And so he's amassed, almost looks like gluttony. He's amassed this entire collection of information. And I mean, this guy was smart. He had a PhD and he had all kinds of, you know, um, knowledge, but he was having a hard time initiating that and putting it into action. Fear of inadequacy. Okay, and also maybe fear of what would happen when all these people start ordering stuff and I've got to manage all of that. And then the last one on this list is neglecting physical needs. Neglecting physical needs, um, such as self-care uh, due to intellectual focus and is a tendency I must address. Okay, let me say that again. Neglecting physical needs and self-care due to intense intellectual focus is a tendency I must address. And so this is just that basic idea that sometimes you get so focused on your inner world or the information you're chasing or developing or working on or whatever it is that you might be unaware that you didn't change your clothes today. You didn't take a shower today. You didn't wash your hair today. Um, you know, you're wearing a, um, you know, a, um, what is the, what is the cartoon character I'm thinking of? Minions. You're wearing, you're a 30 year old guy with a minion shirt. I have no problem with this. I wear, I wear Scooby-Doo. That's my cartoon of choice. But, or Tom and Jerry. But, uh, so, you know, you're wearing a Minion shirt and um, it's got stains all over it from last night's pizza. And you ordered pizza because you didn't want to take time to make a real dinner because you're so focused on your video game or you're so focused on your, your um, um, uh, the atoms that you're splitting in your laboratory. And uh, you, um, you might, at times not realize how you are being seen by the world around you 
And again, if, if you go back to the first statement that it's all meaningless, then it doesn't matter. I always say, you know, fours want to be different, threes want to be exceptional, twos want to be loved, and fives, fives really are different. They real, you guys really are different. And it's not because you're trying to be different. It's not that you want people to see you as something different or as something that's, you know, uh, unique and, and not ordinary, but you're so into your thing, which is cool. I'm all for that. You're so into your thing that you're into that you might have a hard time kind of getting your head back up to look at the world around you and the people around you and the expectations of the people around you. Um, you might, that might be a blind spot for you. And I'm not saying you're bad for doing that. I'm not. Just realize that you are the people that will say, I just don't feel like I know how to do relationships. Like I feel like I missed the course on how to relate to people. Like I try and then it just doesn't work. I try, I reach out and I try to have interactions with people and it ends up you know, going bad. It ends up people being upset or ends up people getting frustrated, it ends up people walking away. Well, the, these reasons might be why. And look, if you're if you're listening to all this and feeling like I don't agree with any of this, I don't agree with that. I don't think you're right. I don't think you're okay. Remember, my son, when I went through all of these, he said, "No, nope, that's not me. No, nope, that's not me. No, I don't really agree with that. No, I don't really agree with that." Just notice that part of the way your brain is wired is to analyze what's being said, find the thing that's wrong with it, and then dismiss it or debate or argue it. And just recognize that that is a wonderful ability. We need people who can do that really well. It's just, you don't always need to do that with the people around you that love you, that are trying to you know, interact with you. You don't need to do that with your coworkers all the time. You gotta know when to like flip that off and just you know hear people, love people, give space for people, give time to people, and interact with people. If you want that kind of community and if you want that kind of relationships, which I know you do, or I, I would assume you do, but whatever, it's your life, and I'm just here to to try to understand it, okay? So here we are. Let's go back and review. Life is meaningless, okay? Let's start the day with that. Number two, I'm a burden, and read the flip side of that as other people are a burden to me. Uh, excessive isolation, let's all go to our own spaces. I was, uh, I was thinking about Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson, who's definitely a five, you know, he starts when uh, Ann Perkins gets too chummy with him, he starts calling her by a different name. And then he says to the camera that, you know, he'll do that because he doesn't want people to get too close. He doesn't want people to, he, he wants to push them away and isolate from them. So he starts calling them by the wrong name to kind of give them the idea that he's, you know, doesn't want them around. Excessive isolation, conspiracy theories, obsessive compulsive about, you know, when are we going? Um, you know, the unknown and a, frustration with the unknown or even a fear of the unknown, social pressure, how long are we going to be here, what time are we leaving, who is this person, why do I have to talk to them, uh, fear of inadequacy, uh, maybe I don't have what it takes, what if people argue with me, what if I, uh, you know, I'm laughed at, uh, neglecting physical needs, um, so focused on your, your own thing or your inner world that maybe you're not paying attention to your diet, you're not paying attention to exercise, maybe not paying attention to grooming, um, or you know, basic interaction, social norms with people. Hello, how are you? Nice to meet you. Tell me about your weekend. How's your son doing? You know, those kinds of things that keep the relation wheels turning. Uh, 
All right, guys, I hope it's helpful to you. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, this is all stuff that uh, um, we're all working on. And uh, just let me know in the comments what you think about it. If you hate it, okay, I, I, mean, I can take it. Uh, or again, I didn't come up with this. This isn't my thing. I'm just reading it and just kind of talking about it. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. And as always, um, be present to life.